This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Oh, this chat, I love this book. So this is with author Kai Chang Tom, who wrote this book, Falling Back in Love with Being Human. Full disclosure, my wife is the editor on the book, but I gotta, this is a fucking amazing book. I loved it. I really, really hope you read it again, Falling Back in Love with Being Human. It's it's really, really good. Also, if you, hey, do you love me? Come see me in New York, August 16th through 20th. At Joe's Pub, you can go to CameronEsposito.com slash tour and get some tickets. Thank you. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Uh, sure, I'd love to. So I'm Kai Chang Tom. Kai Chang is the first name. Tom is the last. People sometimes get confused about that. Uh, I use she and her pronouns. Um, and I'm in Toronto, Toronto, Treaty 13 territory in the nation state of so-called Canada. And um, <laughs> I am a facilitator, life coach, and the author of a few books, including Falling Back in Love with Being Human, Letters to Lost Souls. Yes. And that book is what I have most recently read. And um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I am married to your editor of this book. I did know that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when Katie first got this manuscript and how excited she was about it. And she's been talking to me about it for I guess like years at this point, because that's how long it takes for books yeah, to get it's been published. Like two years. Yeah. Um, I remember when the, when she was talking about you know trying to find a title with you. I remember when she was describing the book to me because it's an unusual book in that like it's letters, but the letters are poems, and then after the letter poems, there's um, I don't even know like a spiritual task. What would you call that little? Is that what you call homework. it? Yeah, there's, there's like a little spiritual bit of homework. homework. Yeah. yeah, but the homework is very. It's like very, um, you know, dreamy and esoteric, and also very yeah, grounded like and emotional, spiritual stuff. But it's not like go uh, do some math pro- programs, yeah. problems. It's like uh, healing, healing suggestions. Yeah. Um. So I guess I just want to. Because I think this is, and it's beautiful, by the way. Congratulations. Oh, made me cry. Um, That's really kind. Yeah. But I I guess I want to ask, first of all, about this format, like choosing this format. Um, These letters are like to yourself, to other trans femme folks, to folks who have, like there's one to JK Rowling. I think the one that actually struck me the most was the letter um, to all the boys I've loved before who haven't loved me back. Yes. Um, <laughs> but can you talk just a little bit about the seeds of this? Like how this how this came to you, how this is part of your your process, your output? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes, it is kind of unusual um, 
like in structure and concept. But I feel like whenever I tell people who know me, like my friends um, about the book, they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, because um, I was a therapist for a really long time. And then like, I'm just sort of like a known Pisces in the world. You know, I'm always like <laughs> feeling. A known Pisces? That's <laughs> yeah. so funny. Yeah, keep going, keep going. You know, like they're just like coaching time. They're notorious Pisces, just like crying everywhere. Um, and, and that's what this book is. It's, it's like a lot of my feelings and it's like flowy and sort of like good, evil. Is that an existent thing? I don't know. I have a lot of feelings. And then and because I used to be a therapist, I'm like, now that we've cried, go home and <laughs> do some homework. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, like, and, and the truth is I've, I've always actually really loved um, kind of that, that rhythm of like diving deep into something emotionally and then trying to put it into practice in some kind of way. Um, I just like the embodiment of that. Like the thing that allows me to be a Pisces, but still alive is that like, I can, I let myself go really far into like the dream world. And then I come back and I try to do something like real life with that. Um, and then I guess, you know, the origin story of this book, as I keep telling it is, um, in 2021, at some point uh, a few years ago, a little known author named JK Rowling put mm -hmm. a statement into the world, um, you know, announcing that she is a gender critical feminist, um, or, you know, whatever she would like to call it. And, um, obviously there was a lot of uproar in the world when that happened. And there was a lot of, um, understandable rage and, you know, conflict over it. And at the same time we were going through you know, COVID, um, like a reckoning around the movement for Black Lives and equity, diversity, and uh, inclusion in in the work world and many other parts of the world, and um, the idea of love letters, like writing love letters, came about like as the idea of like writing a letter to someone like J.K. Rowling, mm. but from the perspective of love. And I will say, having read her statement a million times, there's this fascinating piece that I think a lot of uh, trans people in my life often either don't know about or like kind of forget about, which is that deep down, like buried in the paragraphs of that letter, um, she says this thing that where, where like um, when she was an adolescent, she experienced um, some gender trouble and had she been raised today might have decided to transition. And of course she frames that as like, what a tragedy that we live in a world. But I'm like, Jake Rowling, are you one of us? Do you need help? Like, should oh we give you a hug? God. I, I, I don't know if I look. A lot of things have Go happened in the last couple <laughs> years, so I don't know that I had any idea that that was true. Oh, oh. Well, and I mean the other thing that's like so intense about this letter, in my, I think the thing that sticks out to me is this. Um, like, it's just so odd because it's based on nothing. It's based on no specific encounter in her own life. It's based on her own trauma. Oh, yeah. And her, but it's not based on an encounter. And I think that because there's also a letter in this um, book, like to, like to Jesus Christ. There is your, one. Uh, the lover. Your My lover. Yes. Uh, yeah, your boyfriend. And um, I, that... You know, I'm a formerly Catholic person myself. I uh, do have 
a very interesting relationship right now in my life to uh, JC. Um, and I think it's a similar, you know, it's, it strikes that similar chord for me of like the fear that I grew up around, around queer people, trans people in a religious context where it's based on no specific encounter. encounter. Yeah. It's just, it's like based on uh, imagined, imagined moment. Oh Um, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think what's so powerful about that and kind of frightening is that the encounter is with the unwanted part of the self, (laughs) you know, (sighs) you know, (laughs) like um, all those Republican senators or whatever, who are, you know, later found to have been cavorting with, you know, muscle bound young hunks in hotel rooms when (laughs) they make their homophobic laws. I mean, it's really about, um, that when, you know, when they look at queer people, they see something in themselves that they fear, which is, of course, desire. <gasps> Can you tell me a little bit more about the your current relationship with uh, Christianity, with uh, Jesus the... <laughs> Whatever idea, he is. Figurehead. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Uh, uh, a conglomerate. <laughs> you know, like whatever. I would love to. I would love to. Thank you for asking. Yes. Um, so my mother and like that whole branch of my family, um, which is large, is um, like heavily connected, like our part of the uh, like a Chinese Christian evangelical church. Um, and um, it did also so happen that uh, I was partially raised um, by like a caregiver, by like a nanny. Uh, who uh, was Filipina and so who is Filipina and um, she uh, is Catholic. And so I have like both like a lot of Catholic stuff from my childhood Mm -hmm. and a lot of evangelical stuff from my childhood. Yeah, totally. Uh, This is also, we don't talk about this, I think as a broader culture when we're talking about um, Christianity, evangelical Christianity in in, both in Canada or in the U S and the ways in which, I think this it's there's those things that are positioned as so very white. And um yes. that is not not fully representative everyone. of uh <laughs> like who even might be voting um on yes. Christian lines, um, or who yes. might be trying to uphold certain you know, evangelical values. I feel like it's like the daily show is, mm-hmm. you know, I imagine you know, you know, the white, the white, the fucking white guy in the hat yeah. that's like yes, at, at the, the rally, hat. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, you're wait, right. You're talking but... about a different thing. Yeah. So, oh, so maybe yeah. you could tell me a little bit more about the experience you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, just absolutely. Um, you know, the world is full of um, black, indigenous and racialized Christians because of colonization, obviously. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, there are a lot of uh, people of color of faith, of Christian faith, who are like very into it and w- would be mad if, like, you know, if we, if, if, if one were to try to take that away from them, right? Like, so, you know, um, yeah, I mean, there's churches full of Chinese Christians, with, you know, uh, around which, you know, I, was raised. <laughs> um, 
Okay, okay, but here's here's like the thing about fear and desire and, and religion. Um, I first realized I was a gay when my um, Catholic nanny showed me like a children's picture book version of the Bible, and in it was one full page spread of shirtless Jesus on the yes. cross in the loincloth, and like. Yeah. Come on! Like, what am I yep. supposed to do? I felt desire. <laughs> that is interesting because I also felt desire um, looking at like a crucifix sort of a thing, but from a different perspective. Because oh. I remember that as being one of the first bodies that I wish I had. Like this sort oh. of, because there is a very, there's like an archetypal Jesus body, this sort of like emaciated, but like very yes. muscular. Yes. Uh, like kind of like a waif but like a toad yeah i was waif. gonna say like a withered twink but you're, yeah. you're a waif is better <laughs> withered twink yeah. Um, yeah and i i just remember like i remember yeah wanting that body uh for like it wanting it in a different way but i i understand yes, what you're wanting talking to about be too. in it and yeah, i yeah, wanted yeah. to well, touch it and you know yeah, like, yeah. these yeah. are all forms of desire yes yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and also Which is so that, shameful. Not really, well, but is, in Christianity, it's very shamed. But it is, totally. I think it's also interesting because, like, that pretty nude bod, like, you can see uh, Most whatever, you, if you call these Davids or if you call them, um, somebody recently <laughs> told me, because I've been doing a lot of uh, oblique-focused sit-ups, and somebody recently told me I have oh, cum gutters, which made me feel great. Oh, I felt my god! Wow, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I uh, yeah, the the well, I think anatomically they are called the iliac crest. <laughs> no, no, that's not right. Every single uh, biology book says cum gutters, and that's just oh, that's from Harvard. Okay, gotcha, Medical. gotcha. Like, Harvard, that's not right. me. I'm not making. I that apologize. Up. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, the snake things, the, the, yeah, the hip yeah, yeah. press, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you've got those. In, Good for you. <laughs> in a, oh, I'm I'm working on it in a in a like a porn free household or like in a house where there weren't a lot of you know, um, like I wasn't allowed to have cable as a kid. So I mm -hmm. do think that this like Jesus body was one of the first bodies that I like saw that much of. Like it's a, yeah. an unusually naked bod that's around all yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, "Go ahead, feast your yeah. eyes upon this." The little loincloth is falling off. Yeah, it anyway, is, it, like it dips in the middle. Like, come it's on, so, there's such a dip. Yeah, absolutely, you're 100 right. So, so I want to. So then, yes. if if that's true, and if you encounter Jesus that way, I'm just so curious about like, because I was really struck by this. Um, you know, men I've loved before who couldn't love me back. Like, mm -hmm. is that yes. a relationship with the G with Jesus that you have there? Or uh, are we talking about like more men in the physical realm? Well, what I just went to was like, it is men in the physical realm, but am I always just chasing Jesus? I should pay you. This is Come therapy. on, baby. I unlocked it. Come on. <laughs> Send me How your long invoice. Been talking? 16 minutes and <laughs> That's at least $500. <laughs> 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 right there uh, <laughs> but no i mean i mean technically they are physical flesh men <laughs> um yeah well yeah i mean you know i'm always in pursuit of the patriarch um yes. yeah because 
they're sexy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the, I mean, you know, the the bigger theme, the noble theme of the book is like, you know, forgive yourself for falling in love with men who are bad to you, and I definitely, you know, do that every day. But um, <laughs> do you? Is that still an active uh, part of your life? Are you working on that and still I, noticing uh, it pop up? Well, I'm luckily married, much like yourself, mm -hmm. um, to a wonderful person. So it's kind of calmed down, but we are also in an open marriage. So, um, <laughs> like, I think the difference is that, um, yes, I still pursue toxic men, um, you know, from some toxic place inside myself. But then I come home to this very loving, um, stable person. And so I'm like, this is great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I wrote that poem because... Um, Something really weird happened to me during the first year of the Pandy, um, where I was really lonely and, um, you know, in a flash of genius, went on Grinder, which is where you're supposed to go when you're lonely. Um, Absolutely. To find Take that right to the sheets, is what I <laughs> <Exactly>. was saying. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, met this, um, well, you know, supposedly heterosexual um, bank manager. And, you know, everything was going as planned. I was like, yes, you know, he's a hunk. We're going to forget each other. Whatever. He's saying he's single, but we know he has a wife somewhere. Um, and I was like, yes, I've done it a hundred times before. Look at me. I'm cosmopolitan. Sex in the city, Samantha. And then um, I, like, horrifically and abruptly fell in love. Like, I became obsessed with this banker. Like, it was like a force possessed me. I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about him. I was texting him every day. He didn't want to be texted every day. You know, I had to, you know, rein it in. Um, and I was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I in love with this banker who is obviously a bad idea? Like, I'm not 21 anymore or whatever. But I could not stop it from happening. It was just so mysterious. Um, and I've gotten a lot of therapy about it. Um, but I still don't really know. Um but I will say that um, I've never said this on a podcast before, that even though my heart was shattered into a million pieces and, of course, you know, he's gone from my life, there are many um, potential financial benefits to being engaged, not engaged to, but engaged with, um, like, a, a bank manager. And so my life was somewhat materially improved. Tell me. Um, tell me about this. What do you mean? Oh, if well, you, just If that... you are comfy. Well, okay. There was this thing where he was like, I have something to tell you. And I was like, obviously you um, have like a cisgender heterosexual woman somewhere. And he was like, yes, I do. And I was like, well, what what can I say? And he, he, he was just like, he was like, I'm so sorry. Maybe we should just be friends. But I was like, but we've just had sex. Like, it's not possible anymore. You yeah, know? absolutely. <laughs> also, like, what what bank manager friend are you meeting on Grindr? I, I've, I've never heard of that well, story yes. I have yet to hear. <laughs> it's not really a thing. And so then, then we pursued a deep uh, friendship. Lasting yeah. friendship of respect. No. Yes, yes. <laughs> but then he said... Well, yeah, I said, well, I don't think we can be friends. He was like, really? Because I could help you with your banking. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, let's just say, like, um, he was able to approve some loans that I really wanted. Wow, that is so wild. Yeah, Shit. which I would not have been approved otherwise. So... so which brings me to other poems in the book, which are about 
Johns. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, even though they can be assholes, sometimes they change your life in a very material way. For the good. So would you consider that person to be a John because of that sort of like trickle down version of dispersing money? I mean, it's not like a direct... It's not like a direct linkage. Nothing, no, nothing is like left on the. What you're describing is not something being left on a dresser. You know, you're no. describing a different thing. I am. Yes, I, I. You know, I think that in the world of, um, I think there's a lot of debate <laughs> about what that is. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm not sure, but I think what I would say there's something John-ish about about that interaction. Like John-ish in that, is so good. That's a good term. <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, and I think what's really powerful about being a John and being an escort um, is that um, everybody knows, even if you do fall in love, it's probably not going to work out. Um, but there is an exchange that honors the beauty of what was. And with most heterosexual men um, who I, you know, meet on Grinder, you know, there is, there's like a, not such an exchange, but for whatever reason, banker men felt it was very important to, you know, kind of under, you know, maybe against certain bank policies, approve some loans for me. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I would also say that this, this is not, this is also part of, um, I think people who might, I don't think these are listeners to this show, but like people who might have a specific view around this kind of relationship you're talking about or something else that could be more concretely considered sex work. I think yeah. the relationship you're talking about <clears throat> is also mirrored outside of this for a lot of folks who yes. are... Um, like first of all, it's it's actually the like basis for heterosexual marriage, yeah, but it also is beyond that, the family. it's yeah. <laughs> also the um the basis for like a a person who does have somebody at home and then has somebody else out in the world. Like this is not right. Like there's a reason that when we see a politician photographed with like the I don't know why I want to say side chick or whatever. Like <laughs> that that person's like wearing a fur. You know what I mean? Like right. there's like this is also. I think that this is so threaded into culture and society. It's just we call it something different when it's when there's like gender fuckage, transness, queerness, or you know, a same sex relationship involved. Whatever whatever categories that are there, it, we call it something else than if it's just like straight dude finds straight cis woman. That's true. Yeah, the heterosexuality puts like a veil of like um, like legitimacy on it yes um yeah, but yeah, yeah as my friend chanel would say chanel is like a um, amazing like writer on sex work rights and um, she um you know she really talks about how actually all gender uh all gender all gender marginalized people perform sexual labor like we all do it um uh, and but like the ways that we get compensated for it are made more or less clear based on um, like the social location that we occupy. All is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? 
Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! I mean, I relate to that in a in a different way. I think that in my job as a stand-up comic, um, on this show, but this show is like more in-group conversation, so it's often like if I'm guesting on something else mm. um, or as an actor, mm. you know, when I'm mm-hmm. showing up, there is... Um, this is wild and I hope this changes for me. And some of it might be like, as I continue to grow in, um, I just want to use the word power, but like I've, I've been on, I've participated in something as an actor said dialogue. I didn't want to say gotten ass back and then been like, now I would like to say different dialogue, you right. know, and, yeah. and just make sure that you know that now that you're valuing me more, I just want to like fight for some more space here. Um, but I've never had a, um, oh my God, I'm like blanking on the word, like a sex scene choreographer. I've never had Ooh. that. So if I'm getting hired, it's oftentimes cause like this haircut and some like implicit understanding that I will bring like knowledge to the role <laughs> that, and, and that is also like a kind of sex work. I mean, like to be hired to be on TV and like understand how my head should tilt, you know, like that's coming from my own personal experience. And I mean, that's true for, I guess, straight actors too. But like, if I'm doing some of the like labor of bringing experience that's underrepresented, then it's a different thing. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It is sexualized Mm -hmm. labor. (laughs) Everyone's like, you're okay with this. (laughs) Like, yeah. But maybe yeah. they should pay you a thousand extra dollars per hour. Who knows? Uh, yeah, per hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, 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 a hundred percent. I think the other thing that I, you know, want to go back to when you were talking about this, like pursuit of this. I don't know. I can't remember the word you use, like inappropriate or something. Person. Um, I think for me. Gosh, I mean, is this really what we're going to like? Are we going to crack this for ourselves and each other? Because I think about the way that, I mean, that Christianity specifically was present in my young life. And here's this like sort of selfless, perfect dude who, you know, is beloved by his mother she's like at his feet who you know is served by his peers um and who is like righteous and making all decisions and then who also is the object of like devotion and love by 
women, you know, like by folks like Mary Magdalene. And so I think that for me, I do think there's a connection for like what I'm looking for. I want to be desired by women. I want mm -hmm. that in my life and not like a woman. I mean, I'm glad to be married as you're talking about, but it's not, there's no, there's no amount of Katie as wonderful as she is. There is mm. no amount of participation in this void that anybody <laughs> would be enough, you know, to fill. Um, right. So I am having this marriage that's over here and I'm in my conscious self and I'm in my, my, you know, therapeutic choices. <laughs> and then there's like this spiritual self that does deal with this sort of void around growing up and feeling like I'm the wrong thing to be deserving of that attention, you mm. know? And I think that that, that is going to be a lifelong impact for me that I'm always going to be working against because it, it doesn't even matter how much attention I get in that area. It's this like wound of I'm born into this like space time body situation, cultural context where like I'm never going to have the thing I want. And that's mm -hmm. not even true. Like in my, in my life today, no, that's not true. But in my, yeah. <laughs> in my, in my young child self, it's true. And I'm just, you know, that's what I found in that, in that letter and in that poem that made me have tears coming out of my eyes and Water dripping candy. into my cereal. Oh, yeah. tear cereal. Yeah. I should sell that. Tear on the internet. Yeah, tear it. Mm, trademark TM, TM, yeah. TM. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All the queers will get that. You know yeah. we will. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want cereal. Think about your childhood and eat the cereal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean... I think like queers to use like you know the broad sense of queers queers Let's and go. trans Let's and gender weirdos right yeah. like thank you um like we carry so much of the wounding right for the world like the heterosexuals also unfulfilled but then they just have to go and be like <laughs> to take their unfulfillment and fulfillment and project it onto us so, and we, we, you know, <laughs> And to this day, they're like, look at those filthy queers over there who are so undeserving. But then, you know, the, at night they open the pornography and yes, the images yes. are all of us. <laughs> you know, like we have this weird thing oh, where we are true. like, right? It's so weird. Like we are so desired, but then we are told that we are wrong um, and that, you know, that desire is bad and all that kind of stuff. Will we carry that forever? I think maybe. I, you know, so, I mean, we're part of the legacy of being whatever we are is um, having to be the monster, which of course I'm obsessed with monsters, like all trans women, and, you know, appears in the mm. book. And like, mm -hmm. um, I think the whole thing about therapeutic choices and the limit of the therapeutic paradigm, which I do love, right? But the limit is that um, we cannot self-optimize ourselves into being, you know, completely fulfilled and whole. I will continue to go on Grinder when I'm lonely and take it to the sheets or the streets, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, <laughs> you will continue to, you know, long to be Jesus and maybe you will start a cult or something. I don't know. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. I will subscribe. I will be your first yes. subscriber to the <laughs> cult. <laughs> I'll be the mental, you know, but like, um, but we can love that part of us that's not okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we can love the thing <sighs> inside us that's not okay. That, how dare you? Oh, I'm sorry. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that is, you're not even the first person to reflect that uh, mm. to me. I find that very difficult. You know, it's such an active practice. I'm wondering what you do for yourself to, I mean, obviously there's there are these instructions in, in this book, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but like outside of that, just in a more concrete way, like, I don't know, what, do you have a daily thing you do? Do you have a thing you do weekly? Do you have a thing you do that's not grinder when you feel fucked up to love yourself? I mean, by the way, also thumbs up to grinder, but like, what else are you well, doing as a supplement? Thumbs middle? Thumbs, thumbs middle. Thumbs, thumbs middle. Thumbs wildly oscillating, you know? Like. <laughs> uh, grinder, is it a spiritual practice? Yes. Is it good? Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, fair enough. Well, there you go. Yeah. But, like, the other thing I do is, of course, um, well, I think it is writing, actually. Um, I was doing this other interview about the book um, with somebody who, who, who is also uh, queer, and, um, and they were like, what's your writing routine? And I was like, mm, I sit in the dark and wait for the self-loathing to emerge. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, cool (laughs) i was like yeah but like i I mean that in like the sense of like um the practice is really like there's no way to um not feel self-hatred um the self-hatred even if we're not aware of it continues to bubble under the surface and like um my whole thing is like allow it to arise (laughs) like whenever it comes let it arise and then you know i write the letters to the self-loathing which are like you're okay you are a scaly horrible beast i love you (laughs) you know and that's what i do like you know i I do it for me i do it for jk rowling all Mm. the scaly horrible beasts out there your scales Mm. are so shiny Mm -hmm. (laughs) we could still we could love them yeah i mean we love dragons just yeah yeah we do we adore dragons Oh yeah. Yeah. We love snakes. I think only queers love snakes. <laughs> <laughs> what about bikers? Also bikers? Yeah, bike but aren't they kind of queer? Yes, yes. That was a trick question. That was a trick question. <laughs> we love snakes and dragons. Yeah. Rept lizards. I love a lizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, things that shed, things that glisten, things that bake in the sun. We love these Ooh. things. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I think what you're, this is, I I really appreciate what you're talking about. You know, for me, I think I spent a lot of the last like five, six years of my life trying to understand why I do stand up because it's something Ooh. that I started at such a young age right. and then I like grew up, it's my job and I'm like, why do I do this? Is it good <laughs> or bad? Like as a spiritual practice, am I doing self-harm? Because sometimes it's it, it has a big toll, totally. you know, um, but what you're saying and also i think i felt for a long time that it came from shoving feelings down and then i could right. only express them on stage right. but i've worked so hard now to be able to express off stage that i'm realizing this sort of life-saving uh white knuckling that initially was stand-up is mm-hmm. also amazing because even at a time when i could only shove things down i did find a release and, yes. and like that's genius. So mm-hmm. I still get to do that. It just like maybe is gonna not kill me, 
Um, yes. With, but I, I understand what you're talking about, about the like self-loathing um, taking form. I think at a time where I felt very, very misunderstood, I decided to commit my life to explaining to people. Like I was like, oh, you, <laughs> oh don't, you don't get it? Here, sit down for one hour. You know? <laughs> no cell phones allowed. Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> oh, I will kick you out if you have any questions. Just be quiet and I will explain for one hour. You know, and I wonder, um, is does writing it all feel like that to you? Does it feel like once you get it on the page that it's like, at least I've been able to say my piece. At least I've been able to get this out, like in a world that doesn't want to listen. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, there's a reason that I started out um, as a spoken word poet, which is like, which is like stand up, except it's the yeah. cringe version. You know? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, no, I adore spoken word. I still do it. But like, um, yeah, it does feel that way. Um, it's like, you know, a lot of. Um, artists of all kinds, I think we'll talk about creation as exorcism, right? Like pushing it out there. And and I think that is so life-saving. I do also think that it can be self-harm. Knowing that self-harm is also life-saving for a lot of people, right? Like it's the way to feel yes. and oh, to continue, yes. right? Like, um, but there is, um, and I think what I really appreciate about, you know, being millennials, um, if you're a millennial, I think you are, <laughs> right? Like we're, we're yeah, the best um, and the yeah. worst. But like, you know, is that we, um, our generation of artists, I think was the first to really get exposed to the intersection of a therapeutic and artistic paradigm around this stuff, mm. where it was like, yes, probably it does start out as this like, um, just releasing the self-loathing, but the more skilled and, you know, also hopefully like the more healed we become, the more the, uh, the more we put out art, not just to like spit trauma out into the world, but to do something with it. Right. Like when I wrote my first spoken word poems, I was like trauma, 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 trauma. And now I really like to think of the art as like, yes, trauma, but as it comes out, I do something with it so that it's, um, mm. It's healing for other people to experience and mm. healing for me to look at in hindsight, right? Um, does that make sense? It does. I I also just want to take a moment and loop back to something you just said because I feel like there might be people listening. I mean, especially, you know, because we're queer folks. When you just said that self-harm can be life-saving, I wonder if yeah. you could just take one moment there and talk about what you mean by that because I... I feel like I know what you mean, but I would love to hear more about what you mean. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for that. So, you know, I practiced as a trauma therapist for queer youth for several years um, and for queer adults for a few years before that. Um, and the patterns of self-harm are, you know, not specific to queer people alone, but a lot of us engage in various forms of self-harming behavior. There is, uh, you know, the classic... Um, sort of what is commonly understood as self-harm is harming the body, but then there's also maybe certain forms of substance use or um, risk-taking behavior um, that uh, could also be seen as self-harmful. And what I mean by self-harm can be life-saving is that people don't do self-harm um, just because they are trying to um, punish themselves or disturb other people. People do self-harm because it feels like the only avenue available um, to staying connected to life. Um, 
the act of self-harm is a release of pain or a demonstration of realness of like one's real existence to oneself. Um, and that's what makes self-harm so hard to stop. What's what makes substance dependence so hard to break that um, at one point in our lives, it allowed us to live. And of course, uh, you know, self-harm can be incredibly destructive and, you know, can unfortunately lead to the loss of life as well. But if we just say, that's bad, it's horrible, you have to stop, that is not respecting, like, the um, the innate intelligence of that behavior, which is that if I could do anything else, I probably would be, but this is the thing that allowed allowed me to live, at least at one time. Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I I had this experience in Portland a couple of weeks ago when I was there for a show and the Lyft driver who picked me up at the airport to take me into the city. Portland's having a major crisis in its downtown area right now mm. because it was mm -hmm. very empty during COVID and the folks that remain are really struggling with um, oh. fentanyl use specifically. Yes. And yes. because of the because of COVID and folks like sort of fleeing to a more forested area directly outside the city, a lot of businesses have shut down. And so there isn't that balance of um, like services, but also just other folks who are doing another thing. And so it's, it's, it's like a, I mean, I experienced it when I was there too. It, it's, it's um, heartbreaking to see it. Yeah. And yeah. she was talking about, I can't even remember what she was talking about. But it was some, she was like a little old lady and what she was saying was so off about her understanding of what was going on with these folks. And mm. I did feel like I could give her like a little space to have her own experience and then say what you just exactly said, which is like, look, it, you know, these are not, <laughs> these are not people who are making this choice because they're like bad people or because they want mm -hmm. to, this is, these are people who like, if it's exactly what you just said, these are people, if they had another option they might choose it because i think it's probably a rough way to live to you know to oh, yeah. be outside and to people and tend to, not to um, love that generally yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so um yeah i don't know it was just that wild moment of i guess feeling it was a moment of feeling outside my bubble of thought around mm. something like that where i was like oh i feel this so deeply that i'm surprised that this is your take um and sometimes right. i uh, can forget that, you know, that, that other people are having a different experience of something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, being like why don't they just clean up and go inside? And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure that, no, it's a, I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's not that easy. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, the, I think, you know, that like a really simple way of saying what, what we just said is that, um, behaviors that look incomprehensible from the outside are, are usually coping mechanisms, particular kind. Yeah. Well, look, obviously you're a genius, both <laughs> in the way that you communicate. I've loved talking to you and I really want to recommend falling in love uh, falling back in love with being human. I really love this Thank book, you. and um, I'll plug it at the beginning of, the, of this as well. And and um, and it's not just because of Katie. I mean, I'm thank her for making sure I knew about this, but it's really really beautiful. And um, I want to thank you for writing it. 
Oh, thank you so much for reading it and for having me on the show. Um, this has been incredibly fun, yet also like very heartfelt and moving. Yeah, moving, baby. So <laughs> thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you know with some tears and also mm. cum gutters as like a cum gutters <laughs> a good yeah. term. I've yeah. learned so much from you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the last thing I do before having folks uh, go back into their life is, can you? Would you like to shout out a queero? This is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm, there's so many. Who do I choose? Okay. Um, um, um. <sighs> okay. Um, well, I'm going to say two. I'm going to be terrible. One is um, <laughs> Sylvia Rivera because I have to, you know, and she's mm -hmm. amazing. Okay. But the other is Lucy Lawless who played Xena, the warrior princess in the 90s. How because... is this the first time she's showing up? Keep going. <laughs> Because I thought she was trans <laughs> for a really long time, um, which she is not. Um, but um, also, she was also extremely like lesbianic um, on that show. Um, and um, in in you know her years post playing, you know, Warrior, the Warrior Princess has just been like a solid ally. Like has just been like, you thought I was gay? Good. <laughs> like, oh my so, god. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. And I do think that yeah, her like shout out to a muscular build on. Uh, <laughs> Seriously? You know, prime time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and then she would always be taking baths with Renee O'Connor, the Gabrielle I know, actress. I know. And <laughs> you're right. They're into it. Like, they, they're they chill. They'll go to a yeah. con and be like, Many thumbs up. We loved it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's we love that. What's up, yes. Lucy? Very good call. Um, we'll catch you. It was so nice to talk to you. And uh, I hope I get a chance to hear you read some stuff or, uh, <gasps> yes, you know do some some spoken word <laughs> yes well i would love that too <laughs> cringe as it is i adore that art form um i would love to connect in the future thank you so much for this maximum fun a worker-owned network of artists-owned shows. Supported directly by you.